Hey everyone, you're tuned in to Unfiltered Black Hottie, a podcast about whatever the F I want. Join me, T. Sharon, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. for conversations about everything from true crime to conspiracies to social media bullshit, everything black, and a whole lot more from an unfiltered black hottie's perspective. Enjoy your earful and catch up with us on our social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Unfiltered Black Hottie, Twitter, You Black Hottie. Join the conversation on Facebook at Unfiltered Black Hottie Podcast. You can listen to the show on your favorite places to listen to podcasts, including Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Get all this info and everything else you could possibly need about the show at www.ublackhottie.com, including ways to support the show like Patreon or Buy Me a Chai. Unfiltered Black Hottie welcomes everyone, but isn't for everyone. Some topics may be sensitive or triggering to certain listeners. Most episodes do have curse words sprinkled throughout. That's your warning. Now let's get to it. Yo, yo, welcome back to another episode of Unfiltered Black Hottie, motherfuckers. So, in my opinion, the kind of black people who don't like other black people are the worst kind of black people. And you guys are here listening to my voice, so obviously you want my opinion. So I'm going to tell it. I remember I was telling someone about this guy who I do not like, who also does not like black people. And that's why I don't like him. When I was talking about him, I was talking shit, and I called him an Uncle Tom. The person who I was telling stopped me mid-sentence and corrected me. Well, he, like, halfway corrected me. He told me that the correct term was not Uncle Tom, and I was actually giving him a praise, so to speak. But I didn't get that shit. Um, So y'all know what I did. I went straight to Beyonce's internet and did some research on my own. So today I'm going to learn y'all something real fast. Well, a few things, actually, because on today we're also going to be talking about code switching. Why we do that shit and why we shouldn't do that shit anymore. And we're also going to be talking about how it's actually 2014 in Ethiopia. So let's get to it. Where should we start, though? Let's start with code switching. So the definition I found of code switching is the practice of alternating between two or more languages or varieties of language in conversation. Kind of. When I read that definition, it reminded me of the Latin lady on Modern Family. Y'all know how she switch up um, languages from English to Spanish mid-sentence, the whole 30-minute episode. That's the first thing I thought about. But that is not... How I've experienced code switching, not from my perspective. And I think that's also halfway from black people's perspective. I'm black. So everything that I'm telling you is coming from a black person's perspective. You feel me? So my definition of code code switching is when you switch it up depending on who you're around or like you change the way you express yourself. 
Um, and that is to make the people that you are around feel comfortable. You know, when you take a certain, you talk a certain way at work or at school or at Starbucks, that's code switching. So sometimes when I be my, with my friends at work, I'll be like, Treva, girl, what did you bring for lunch today? Did you bring some greens? God damn, bitch, you always eating greens. But if I'm asking Tracy, I'm like, hey, Tracy, how are you today? What'd you bring for lunch? Oh, my God, you brought a cheese sandwich? Oh, cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I mean when you switch it up to make people around you feel comfortable. Because maybe if I would have been like, Tracy, bitch, what did you bring for lunch today? I know you didn't bring no cheese sandwich again, bitch. You better uh bring some real food, get some fat back and some greens and shit up in this motherfucker, bitch. Now, Tracy would have probably felt uncomfortable if I would have said that to her. Treva, she, from my, you know, she feel me, she knows. So that's code switching in a little nutshell, a little, a little teeny tiny example of code switching. Y'all know when y'all put on the white voice, like in the movie, um, Sorry to Bother You, when he wanted to sell and he became a power seller, what was his voice like? His voice was just like this. Hello, Mr. Johnson. I'm calling about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But when he wasn't making no money, he was using his regular voice. Hey, Mr. Johnson, how you doing? I'm calling about product one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He wasn't getting no money. As soon as he started getting money, he was raising up a tear. He started to talk like that. <laughs> I guess that's how people think white people talk. Whatever. But anyway... For most people, and when I say most people, I mean black people, because that's the experience I have, okay? I'm talking about this is from a Negro perspective. So like I said, for most people, code switching has been taught to us when we were young, and we didn't even know that shit, right? Do you remember your mom threatening to beat your ass if you go in here and act up in front of these white people? Or you remember your mama combing your hair and like, these white people ain't about to be thinking I don't take care of you. When at home, you can wear two French braids. You know, I can remember being at a job and somebody told me that my, I didn't even have locks at the time. But I was told that when I had my hair pressed or when I wore a wig, I looked more presentable. So y'all know sometimes I would be like, shit, such and such working today. I'm going to go ahead and wear a wig, you know, and look a little more white. Or whatever. It's been times where I've even, and we all have, I'm not saying this like it's not something uncommon. You know, we've all even listened to different music or dressed a certain way just to make the other people around us feel comfortable. Acting and talking a certain way at school or at work or anything like that is basically a survival tactic. And it's something that we do, that we have to do to survive. If you, if you want to survive, some people don't give a fuck, you know, and those people probably sell crack. So they don't give a shit who talks what way till they go to court. <laughs> we code switch to be the non-threatening version of black people that doesn't scare white people or non-black people. We code switch because it's easier just to talk like the people in the break room than to keep repeating yourself. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we code switch, and this is really fucked up. We code switch into the version of black people that white people think we are or expect us to be. Like using a black scent when you're around like your white classmates or coworkers. Everybody don't speak jive or speak ebonics or whatever. But some non-black people think that's how we talk. 
Some black, non-black people think that ain't is just a part of our vocabulary or that I was listening to a book, actually researching for a different part of this episode, and they were talking so terrible when they were um, being black or like the character was black. It was like, I reckon he going down there, down yonder. Like, what the fuck? I know it was a dated book, but there are some white people that expect black people to be that way. So sometimes we do put ourselves in a position where we have to dumb ourselves down just to kind of fit in and make these people feel comfortable, which is really, 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 really fucked up. Sometimes instead of having your intelligence insulted, you nigga shit up for them, which is really insane. Another example of that was, uh, I guess this is kind of like the same thing in the same movie. Sorry to bother you. They were pressing him like, tell us a story. And he's like, I don't have any stories. And they're like, so you've never shot anybody. You've never busted cap in anyone's ass. I know you know how to rap. So when it's his turn to get up there and rap, he's like, uh, my name is Jake. I've never seen a snake. And they just looking at him crazy. But then when he says, Nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga, nigga, nigga shit. The crowd goes wild. That's what they expected him to do. So sometimes when you go around certain people or you're at work and you speaking jive and you fucking using a curse word every other sentence or you like, so check this out. Boom. I was a blah, blah, blah. But when you talking to me, you just talking normal. When you, you know, like I said, nigga shit up. Sometimes that's what they like. Sometimes that's what they expect. Sometimes that's what they think black people are like. So you just do it to appease them. We're not doing that shit no more, though. In my personal life, like I said, I've code switched with my hair, with the way I dress. I like to dress however the fuck I want. I like to wear what I want. I like to, you know, I just, I like to be comfortable. I always dress cute. (laughs) But it's not always what other people would like for me to be in or whatever the case. So when I was dating a white dude, there were times where I kind of toned it down because I wanted to make sure I didn't look too slutty or whatever you want to call it. I didn't want to look like the slutty black girl because what they already think that black girls are just so freaking promiscuous. So, you know, we tone it down a little bit or we change it up. Um, I don't listen to fucking green day but i was listening to that shit when i was with this dude just because it was like that's what they would rather hear and i didn't even put on future you know what i'm saying i live and learn though you know like i said if you've ever talked to me while i've been at work you've heard me do that shit there's like uh you know i'll be on the phone and then somebody may be coming up talking to me i'll be like man this bitch the other day had the nerve to say then when somebody come hey hey bob yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys, instead of y'all, you know, shit like that, that's code switching. And like I said, it's something that we do to survive. Imagine being somewhere in 1937 and you going in somewhere and you're the only black person in the room. Of course, you're going to try to prep it up a little bit. Of course, you're going to try to make sure, if you, especially if you know you're going to be the only black person there, you will try to make sure you dress a little nicer. Your hair is a little neater. 
you know, make sure you're not ashy because they have all these stereotypes about us as it is that it's a fucking constant job to not be that, even if that's not who we are. It's like a constant, you know, thing that you're doing constantly trying to make sure that you appease to these white people. But at the same time, they don't give a fuck. Remember I told y'all, my dude, the white dude, would literally get up and not even run his fingers through his hair and go to work. I've seen him do the shit. So it's like, I got a code switch, but you don't. And I don't. But then when white people code switch, it's what? Cultural inappropriation. They're trying to be, what is it called? Pl- playing blackface. It's, it's always a catch-22. That said, stop fucking code switching. That's bullshit. And to be honest, we need to cut it the fuck out. We need to cut it short. Code switching completely cancels out this so-called thing called diversity. Code switching is not even, this word shouldn't even be in the vocabulary. Why I got to switch to make you feel comfortable? Why can't I be me and just be comfortable being me? There's people that are Muslim that might not wear, you know, certain head, I don't know, it's like H-I-J-A-B. You know, somebody in the leave a voicemail. Let me know how to say that word correctly. That might not wear those. It's Jewish people that might not wear the little thing on the head just because they don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. You know how many people would not wear turbans after 9-11? And that's a right that they have. That's a part of their culture. That's a part of their identity wearing this turban. But what did people say? Oh, my God, a terrorist. You feel me? You get what I'm saying? That, so if you take that off, if you don't wear your turban, bam, you code switching. All to do what? Make those of European descent comfortable. If I have to be more like the Anglo-Saxon peers of mine to make them feel comfortable or be accepted, that completely cancels me out. So at that point, you shouldn't be in my life. We're not friends. We shouldn't even, we, you know, and, and at work, if you, you know, at my job, I've had my current job. I've had people, it's 2022, tell me that they like it better when I have dreads or tell me, oh, you speak so well. Why do you talk like that? Because, motherfucker, that's how my mama raised me to talk. Not because everybody don't speak slang. Everybody's not from 63rd or everybody don't talk like the people in the rap songs. And I think that if we stop code switching and we just be our fucking selves, people going to have to take it or leave it. You know what I'm saying? Why can't a person just be proud of their Alabama accent, a black person especially? Why can't they just be proud of their Alabama accent and they say, y'all, hey, y'all, let me get a soda pop or whatever, rather than you thinking that y'all makes them ignorant. You think that that's, they talk like that, so they're ignorant or they're slower and they're not on your level because they from the South and they talk country or whatever the hell, and you think that's ignorant. Why can't you just be proud of who you are? I don't get it. Stop fucking code switching. Fuck making people comfortable. You be comfortable. I am not. I haven't in a very long time, especially to, like, coworkers. I'm me. I'm me. I talk like I want to talk. I dress like I want to dress. I don't even comb these dreads sometimes when I walk up in there. If I don't feel like it, if my eyes slept through the alarm, I'm not about to make sure my hair is presentable for y'all. I'm here to do this job, and my hair is always presentable because it's what I like. Stop that cold switching shit.
So now let's move on to the Ethiopian calendar. The calendar of Ethiopia is officially called the GS calendar. And before I get too deep into this topic, I want to apologize in advance um, because I know I'm about to be messing some words up. (laughs) So I want to apologize on ruining names and pronunciations. Blame my head, not my heart. So technically, the year in Ethiopia is 2015. According to their calendar, they'd be about seven years behind our calendar. So let me explain. First and foremost, you've got to understand that Ethiopia is a country that has never been colonized, ever. They did have a period of time, like in the 1700s, I think, where Italy occupied Ethiopia, but they were never colonized, which means they never had to follow any European rules, pretty much. So they were still able to follow their ancient rules and traditions, which is exactly what they do with the calendar. Now, we use the Gregorian calendar, which... Pope Gregory, who the calendar was named after, changed in 1582. And when I read that, I was thinking, like, who the fuck is he? I understand he's the Pope, but he's not um, Jesus. He's not, like, a religious figure. You know, I know he's a religious figure, but the Pope can change all the time, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. But he's obviously not the Pope anymore. When I say a religious figure, I mean, like, he's not the most high. How can he actually change the calendar? Um, And he did this in 1582. I'm not 100% sure why, but I bet it was just to, like, flex his nuts. Um, This human man, someone gave a human man the authority to change the calendar that the entire world uses. And he wasn't like a king or a political figure. He wasn't even a goddamn scientist. But, I mean, I guess that's a different episode about priests. And that'll be a long episode. (laughs) The GS calendar is based off of ancient Egyptian solar calendar called, I'm just going to spell it, C-O-P-T-I-C, Coptic, Coptic. And in this calendar, the GS calendar, there's a bunch of biblical references, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Throughout the calendar, it's like one every month or every week. It's always it's so many biblical references that I think is fascinating that a country from way back is still, you know, I'm saying honoring God in whatever way. You know what I mean? I think that's pretty cool because once times change and the world evolves, a lot of times you lose religion. Um, I know I have. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's that's pretty cool. A lot of this topic was very interesting to me because I felt like, how dope is that? I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't know any of the traditions that my ancestors, most of my ancestors practice, especially like the black, my black ancestors. I don't know what traditions they did coming from Africa and it's like from the beginning of time to 2022 or 2015 this whole country is still living like they did in the past and also you know it's a modernized country obviously but I think that's just so cool um how that you would love something so much that you would carry it on generation and generation and generation so I think that's pretty cool So like I said, there's a bunch of biblical references throughout the calendar. One of them is the reason for the seven-year difference, okay? So the Gs is based off the Ethiopians' determination of the birth of Jesus. When I kind of looked into this, it really confused me. But basically, according to them, 
G okay, so according to like the white people, <laughs> the birth of Jesus is in um December. They have it as in September, and then the year is what makes it different. So Adam and Eve were in the garden and whatnot, and this calendar, the GS calendar is based off of when they got expelled from the garden, when they start doing the hoochie-coochie. That's another topic. <laughs> but our calendar is not based off that. And I I might have remembered that wrong, but I'm pretty sure it said that. Like, to, according to the Ethiopians, it was year seven. And according to us, that was year one. So whatever. According to them, I ain't going to say us. Another source I read said that the calendar system started with the idea, this is what I was talking about, that Adam and Eve lived in a garden for seven years before they started fucking up, okay? <laughs> each month has 30 days, and each month has a tabat. A tabat is a special day honoring an ancient religious figure. So, for example, in January, they would have a month honoring uh, Paul, and then in February, they will have a month honoring Jesus's mom, Mary or Joseph or something like that. We had 30 days in every month. But over the years, kings got cocky and added the 31st day to the months um, that were named after them. Like Julius Caesar um, changed July and added 31. King Augustus changed August and added the 31st day. Just on some cocky shit. That's the shit that white people do, that they always do, because they just do what they want to do. And I think that is ridiculous, just being honest. The days of the week even have biblical meaning. And I tried to find the days of the week, but that was a lot more difficult than just Googling days of the week in Ethiopia. Um, I found the first day of the week because it was in the main article that I referenced. And then I watched the YouTube video, y'all. And in the YouTube video, I'm listening to it as I'm, like, moving around my house. And I'm hearing the exact same thing that was in the article. It's like they just made a YouTube video and read the article. But, so the first day of the week is Sunday. Like, it would be our Sunday. Um, it's called Ehud. And that is E-H-U-D. And that word translates to the first day. Like, the first day that God being that. Like, the first day... That God started creating heavens and earth. And I thought that was so dope. Like, that's how you start your week. Creating heaven and earth for yourself. You're going to decide. Is this going to be a rough week? Or is this going to be a great week? You decide that when we start the week. And I thought that was pretty cool. It didn't say about a bad week or a not bad week. But I, that's how I would take it. Like, I think that a lot of stuff. A lot of little things in our life. We can tweak and we can change. And I feel like if you take the first day of, week, of the week as meaning the first day that God started creating earth, that's the first day that you start creating a great week for yourself. Is it going to be hellish or is it going to be motherfucking heavenly? <laughs> There's 13 months in the GS calendar and there are 12 months in hours. Okay. So the first 12 months of the GS calendar, I said that like y'all didn't know it was 12 months in our calendar. <laughs> So the 12 months have 30 days and the 13th month has five days during a regular year and six days during a leap year. And that makes up the 12th. I'm sorry, the 13th month. And it is called. 
pagum, and it means translate to forgotten days. Leap years are every four years, and they also have a biblical meaning. Surprise! <laughs> They're named John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The calendar is seven years, eight months, and 11 days behind our Gregorian calendar. Okay. So, I got some of the months written down, and I kind of want to... It was really hard to follow, but... So, their year starts in September, and... It would be our September the 11th and 12th. So that's the first year. So that's our January is their September. And it starts in the middle of the the month on the 11th or 12th, depending on if it's a leap year or not. Their second month starts again. It will be our October from 11th to 12th. November is their next month. And it would be the 10th or the 11th. Then they have their December, the 10th or the 11th. Their January starts on the 9th or the 10th. Their February starts on the 8th or the 9th. But then, see, it switches because their March, our it will be, you know I'm saying it in our months, starts on the 10th. And then April for them starts on the 9th, April the 9th. May starts on May the 5th. Then it goes June, starts on June the 6th, July it's July the 8th, and then August starts the 8th, and then back to September on the 6th. And that one that starts on the 6th, it's so weird, is the one that starts with the P, the forgotten month. So that's the, the leap year month. Now, that's how, if we translated their calendar to our ways, that's exactly how it will be. So, yeah, it was kind of confusing. That's something that if you're interested in that, obviously, you know, I'm going to link the article that I looked into. But I would definitely um, look more into that. I found more videos with people with accents. And there's no disrespect to the Ethiopian accent. But I just, it was giving me, I just couldn't. And I was just, I don't know. I hate watching um, certain shows that have, like, British accents because, like, I don't know, when I hear accent for too long, when I go outside and I talk to my neighbor, she sounds like that. And then when everything in my head sounds like that. So if I watch this Ethiopian channel for an hour and then I watch The Office, Michael Scott is going to sound weird. So not weird, but you know what I mean. Like I said, I think it's absolutely amazing that a country is so original and so in tune that they stick with their ancient traditions. I don't even hardly know any ancient anything, like I said, beyond my great-great-grandmother. You know, a country that has never been under any rule but their own. How amazing would that be? Think about where your ancestors are from and if they just ruled themselves, how that would be. If nobody came in with an iron fist, no Spaniards or Europeans, or Italians, or anything like that. If nobody came in, or French, and took away your traditions, like, what would you, what would you think your life would be like? I think that is something to think about. It's something to make you emotional. The media is the enemy, though, like I said. And all the headlines for this, this subject, when I looked this up, everything suggested that Ethiopia was behind. And the fact is, like, technically, bitch... Ethiopia is in the 75th century. No, really. (laughs) So finally, 
we are here. We're going to talk about Uncle Tom and Sambo. All right. So the term Uncle Tom originally came originally. What was that? Originally came from the book Uncle Tom's Cabin written by Harriet Beecher Stowe. And she wrote that book in 1852. Um, I actually read it while I listened to it, like on audiobook. And it was one of the worst things I ever put my um, ears through. It's a horrible book. I don't recommend anybody reading it or listening to it. Um, in the book, when the slaves would talk, or even any black people actually. No, because the one dude talked like he had some sense. Like the slaves would be like, yes, sir. I want to eat some cornbread, massa. Like, what the hell? It was like a super racist book. I know it's outdated, but like some of the words I would look up on my watch, like while it was playing, you know, like one of the words was quadroon. And that was like, and it said outdated racist in the, in the, when the watch brought up the definition. So I think they need to update that book. And the fucking audio part. Like, that was so crazy when they would be talking and they would be like, Sir, our bees are cold outside tonight. Like, it was crazy. I couldn't believe they actually pretended to use those voices in the audiobook. The main character, Uncle Tom, is said to be based off of a real person named Josiah Henson. Um, I read in two different sources that the writer, Harriet Beecher Stowe, she either read Josiah's memoirs or she actually went up to Canada and interviewed him. So I want to tell y'all a little bit about him because I think that he is more important than her. And we always learn stuff about white people. So I want to teach y'all something about a black person because it's a real person. Now, Josiah Hanson was born June 16, 1789 in Maryland. He was a slave and his parents were slaves, okay? So his dad um, actually got separated from him, like all the shit. That's not uncommon. But what happened was his dad actually caught an overseer. I don't remember if it was raping or just beating up a white woman and he broke it up. And the overseer was like, all right, I ain't going to say shit about you touching me and trying to fight me. And you ain't going to say shit about what me what I'm doing to this white lady. Okay. Obviously, the overseer was lying. And back in those times, just like now, it's illegal. It was illegal to touch white people. So he got 100 lashes in, like, front of everybody. Got his ear nailed to a fucking post and cut off. Then he got sent to Alabama. And it was real fucked up to get sent to the deep south. Because that's where they didn't give two shits about you. Like, they gave two shits about any of them. But anyway, so he was considered like a troublemaker. So they shipped his ass down to Alabama. Okay. A year later, the master, okay, got drunk and died. Like, he was riding his horse drunk and he fell into some water drunk and died he drowned or whatever so his family got so and he was so um separately from his mom because you know um slave buyers and traders and all that shit they really didn't give a shit so he was so separately from his mom but he got sick and so the owner reached out to the other owner like 
hey, this little nigga sick on my plantation. I know, because I don't know what they thought about black people, but they assume that if you keep the niggers together, that that he would get better. The, the nephew, the son, Josiah would get better if he was reunited with his mom. So he bought him with his mom. So he eventually he was reunited with his mom and he got better. So that was a good thing. I guess it's true. So when he turned 18, his master made him an overseer of his plantation so he wouldn't have to pay a white person to do it. Okay, and Josiah wasn't a dickhead. He wasn't mean. He didn't rule with an iron fist or anything like that. And the master noticed that shit and he kept him doing that shit. His crops were so fucking abundant. Like he made more money for the master than he had been making for his damn self. Okay, so his new master used to drink all the time and he would take Josiah with him because he was a big burly dude he would take josiah with him and when he would take him with him um he would make sure he didn't get in no trouble he was making sure he got back home safe so one time he got into a fight josiah helped him acting like his goddamn daddy y'all gonna learn so he helped him and the he hit the other overseer when that happened right so of course he got in trouble And the overseer saw Josiah out and about or whatever because he had like a little bit of free. Not I ain't gonna say a little bit of freedom, but he was able to do more things than the other slaves because he was considered an overseer on his plantation. So he was out and the guy that he broke up the fight with saw him and he was with some other slaves and he made the other slaves hold him down and he ripped a post off of a fence and beat Josiah with it and he broke both of his shoulders. So that happened three days after the incident. Okay. Now, black people at that time wasn't enslaved people at that time were not allowed to get medical attention or get medicine or anything like that. So he just had to deal with it. Josiah's master actually took the fucking other overseer to court for property damage. Let that shit sink the fuck in. Property damage? What kind of shit is that? 1825, Josiah's, the in 1825, Josiah's master got in trouble and he owed a lot of debt, so he had to sell property. That property was his slaves. But instead of doing that because he was a sneaky motherfucker, he made a plan with his brother in Kentucky to send slaves there. Okay, so he made Josiah take the slaves to Kentucky, um, and when they passed through Cincinnati. The free people, Cincinnati was a free place. The free people in Cincinnati tried to get Josiah to let the slaves go and run away and like him become free too, but he didn't. All right. He was loyal to his master, which was crazy. So he went ahead and took the dude, the slaves to Kentucky. Now, when he was in Cincinnati, he got ordained, right? While he was going back, He stopped at little places and was doing preaching and speaking jobs to raise money for freedom. Right. And people helped him. Like, I think that was pretty cool that people um, did that. He just kind of became a preacher pretty much and was speaking and 
told them, hey, <laughs> y'all like the holy word? Donate. So they donated. All right. So he ended up earning $350 for freedom because that's what he was told it cost, right? No. Josiah signed papers in Kentucky saying, um, you know, getting information, saying that he was free. He took the papers back to his master in um, Maryland, and he showed him, like, he, he was like, I lied. Basically, it cost $650 to get, you know, your shit taken care of. But he didn't give him his 350 back. He, he did this to him two times, y'all. The second time, he told Josiah that he could become free with $300 and if he it was cost $400 but he told him if he had um the $300 in cash and then $100 on an IOU that he would let him free right what this dirty motherfucker did was took Josiah's money in the note and wrote an extra zero on the note like oh Josiah you was wrong I told you $1,000. So when he tried to take that shit in to get free, they expected him to pay $1,000. And of course, his raggedy ass master kept his money the second time. Can you imagine how long it would take a slave to get that much money? And he knew that Josiah had a brain about himself and he was coming up with other ways to get money. So I feel like he was just hating on him pretty much because of that. So now the brothers are into it, the one in Maryland and the one in Kentucky. And they're kind of fussing about who the slaves belong to. So they said, fuck it. We're going to sell the slaves and split the money. Okay. After they made this plan, they was going to have Josiah go to Kentucky. I'm sorry, go to New Orleans with the slave master's son, the one from Kentucky. They was going to sell him down there. Because everybody know when you go down south, you get sold in the south, and that's where they ship you off to when they don't want you, they, want, they ain't got shit to do with you. Because at this time, I think I forgot to tell y'all, Josiah had a wife and fucking four kids. Yeah. People don't give a shit, man. People do not give a shit. So while they were in the on the boat going to New Orleans, Josiah woke up in the middle of the night, and he was like, fuck this, I'm about to kill these white people. But he couldn't do it. He was overcome with guilt because we're too nice. We are not that type of person. That is just not in us. We are a compassionate, a loving, a warm people. And it's like the world paints us to be these fucking monstrous ass whatever. That's another topic. That's another episode. Okay. So when they got to New Orleans, the master's son was sick. And he begged Josiah to take him back to Kentucky and help him get better. He was pissed by then, and he was like, fuck these white people. Y'all was just going to sell me. Him and his wife and his four kids ran away. They ran across the river, and once they got back into Kentucky, they ran across the river and came to Indiana. And Indiana was a free state, it, even though they had more fucking sundown towns than half the places in Alabama, but whatever. Indiana was a free state. And when they got there, they kept going, and they made their way to Buffalo, New York. And along the way, he was still um, in free places. He was still doing speaking engagements, trying to raise money for his cause or whatever. 
So he finally got to Buffalo, New York, and then he crossed another river on October 28th, and he was in Canada. Now, when he got to Canada, he like, God damn, we ain't got shit. We got to start over. So they lived in a pigsty, and he worked on a couple farms. But eventually, Josiah created the first settlement in Canada, the first all-black settlement, because he was waiting for other black people to get there. He became a minister. He opened a church. He opened a school. Um, he helped people out. Like, he wasn't only preaching, like, gospel at his church. He would preach about, like, all right, y'all so excited about coming up here and being free. Y'all letting these white people pay y'all whatever they want. Y'all are y'all got needs. Y'all got necessities. So he kind of empowered other black people, gave them resources, um, you know, hooked them up with jobs, hooked them up with housing, had their kids going to school. Because when they got to Canada, his son was able to go to school. And then he ended up teaching Josiah how to read. So he was like, you know, I got to get on my shit, blah, blah, blah. Hold on, I'm going to take a drink of water. My mom got me a Yeti cup that she um got from her school. And I drink water so much more now. Like, I put ice in it and just keep filling it up. And I drink so much more water. I cannot remember a time my urine was this clear. So, yeah, get a Yeti. Yeti, sponsor me. Sponsor me. Yes. So anyway, like I was saying, he went to Canada and did amazing things. He did great things. He met the queen twice. He would go places and campaign for his settlement or whatever. Like He went to meet queen, I think it was Victoria or Elizabeth, but he met her twice. And while he was there, he raised money for his cause. And his cause was building a fucking free town, a settlement that black people could come to and know that they were safe and that they was free and that life was going to be good from then on out. Cause you know, when, uh, they got free, they just went crazy, not went crazy, but they were so happy being free. They, some of these people were getting paid less than they were getting paid as slaves. Cause I never knew this, but some slave owners paid, um, their slaves. I don't really know if I believe that, but whatever. So after the Civil War and after slavery was abolished and black people went back to the United States, you know, mostly to try to find their families, Josiah did not. <laughs> he did not. He stayed there. He died in Canada. He, he wrote a book. He wrote the memoirs. He died in Canada when he was 94. He outlived three masters, three, four masters, I'm sure. And his life was so much more important than... Um, fucking Harriet Beecher Stowe's for one, the lady who wrote the book and every slave owner that was, you know, it was, his life was so much more, uh, significant, especially to me. And I, I would hope to anybody that read that story, black or white, cause this dude was literally a slave and he met the queen twice. Like, come on. That said the uncle Tom thing. Okay. So Uncle Tom is portrayed to be like a house nigga type, somebody that just praised white people. And in that book, it really was portrayed like that. There was a time in in the book where I think it was like his second master or maybe third was sick. And Josiah or Uncle Tom was like, 
you don't take care of yourself, master. And, oh, you don't take care of something. And the master was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I'm talking about you. You don't take care of you. And, like, dropped to the floor and cried. Like, he, they made Josiah the biggest, or Uncle Tom the biggest, I don't know, kiss ass. He was the slave that was like, you know, we sick, massa? You know, no, we, we ain't sick. Yo ass sick. But, like, the flip side of that was he, he did get portrayed like that. And I didn't like that because I thought that was bullshit. And I thought that made him a villain to me. Or not necessarily a villain, but a bad guy. Because why are y'all kissing this man ass? Like, this person has made you a slave. And I think that's how white people, especially in those times, and I think the one of the reasons that she wrote the book was because if you were white and you read this book, that's the type of thing that you want black people to be like. That's what you feel like the slaves should have been like or black people should be like. And I feel like she was trying to put white people at ease. It's just like the code switching shit. I feel like she was trying to put white people at ease. And at the same time, she was showing white people who read the book, this is how brutal slavery was. This is how it is. It's a hurtful thing. It's fucking despicable. You know, I, I think she put that in there. But at the same time, she made it seem like, you know, this Uncle Tom character, like black people were just a white person loving them could just completely change their lives. And I hated that she portrayed him like that. And I also hated that at the beginning of Josiah's life, he was such a like a ass kiss or, you know, like a, a house nigga. Just like in Django, when Leonardo DiCaprio got shot and Samuel Jackson kind of hugged him like, oh, my God, we dying. Like, it was them. That's who Uncle Tom is. But see, the other, you know, or or what you call him? I don't know if you call him Sambo or Uncle Tom. I guess Sambo. I think that's Sambo. I'm going to tell you about Sambo. But see, on the other side of that, the reason I, the dude who I told y'all at the beginning of the episode was like, you got the wrong definition. Sam, Uncle Tom did not hit black people he didn't tell when they when they ran and they knew that he knew where they was at he didn't tell nobody he would put dirt in the bottom of the slave sacks so they could make their weight when they cake you know the when the cotton weighed in <laughs> what was that let me get another drink of water excuse me he was a he was good to black people i don't feel like they should have portrayed him as such a I mean, in one of the parts, I'm like, okay, is he in love with the master, like, or the fucking kid, the white people, like, all the white people he was just, like, in love with in the book, but, you know, the real Uncle Tom, he he was loyal to his master, but he also helped black people, he kept your secrets, he gave you food if you needed it, he stole for you, not necessarily stole, but, like I said, because he was such a Christian, he would... If you needed extra food, he had some because he maybe put a little bit in his pocket at dinner earlier. The white people trusted him and the black people trusted him. The black people didn't dislike him. So, of course, now in this society that we live in, you know, fast forward 100 years, 1900s, of course, they're going to want you to think that being an Uncle Tom is a negative because nobody told y'all about the fact that Uncle Tom 
was putting extra cotton or dirt in these bags so you can make your way. Because he was the one who was weighing the bags because the master trusted him. So if he knew you didn't make weight, he threw a little bit of dirt in your shit, told you clean your shit, you good, blah, blah, blah. You was hungry. You ran away. Uncle Tom knew. He didn't tell nobody. So, of course, society would want you to think that Uncle Tom is a negative, see Uncle Tom in a negative light because he was good to black people. Sambo. I think in one of my earlier episodes, I called somebody at my job a Sambo. (laughs) And I still mean that. Sambo, on the other hand, did not like black people. So when you want to insult somebody, you don't call them an Uncle Tom. You call their dumbass a Sambo. That's what you call them. Okay? A Sambo. Sambo beat the fuck out of Uncle Tom until he died. Sambo used to rape other black women. Sambo was the slave that felt like he was one with the master. The master loved him and he was in love with his master without a doubt. In love enough to where you would betray black people. Like I said... uh, one of the one of the parts in there, he used to he like I think he like held the girl down for the master could rape him. The master would get give him drinks. They would dance and sing for the master's fucking entertainment. That's the the nigga that you don't want to fuck with. That's who you don't like. That's Sam Jackson in the in the video. He will betray the fuck out of a black person um, to please a white person. So that's basically, that's it. That's what it is. Uncle Tom is not supposed to be a negative figure. If you, if you read the book and you learn about Josiah Henson, which I just told you guys, you know, like I said, when he was the overseer, he wasn't mean. He didn't rule with an iron fist. He knew that you can get, you get more bees with honey or whatever, flies with honey than vinegar, whatever the saying is. And he knew that and he understood that. You know, so I think that when we we call somebody an Uncle Tom trying to be negative to him, that's it's not necessarily a compliment. Because like I said, Uncle Tom was on bullshit, all in love with these white people. It was a part in there that the little girl died and she gave him a lock of her hair. And her last dying wish was for her dad to free Uncle Tom. No, dad, free him now. Why do we even have slaves? And it was like... If she loved you, it was a little slave black girl in there that was just bad as fuck. And the white girl, the little six-year-old white girl, loved her. So she decided she wanted to be good when the girl died. It's fucking weird. But, yeah, don't call nobody else an Uncle Tom if you want to insult them. Call them Sambo. And they ain't going to know that shit. So when they look it up and they find out who Sambo was and what he was about, they're going to really be pissed off at you. Later on, (laughs) when they're thinking about it. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Unfiltered Black Hottie. (laughs) If you enjoyed the show, leave your girl a five-star review and brag on me just a little bit. Feel free to send in episode suggestions, questions, comments, or concerns, or whatever you want to unfilteredblackhottie at gmail.com. For everything else, as always, check out www.ublackhottie.com dot com.